And we've been talking about preparing for greater in relationships and how critically important that that is for us to learn how to do relationships right. On last week, Brother Craig shared with us about uh, comfort one another. And we've, we've walked down through uh, several of these. We start out with loving one another, accepting one another, serving one another, comforting one another. And today we're going to uh, talk about forgiving one another. Because I submit to you that if, if we're going to do relationships the way God designed for them to be done, that cannot happen if we don't learn what forgiveness is and if we don't learn how to walk in it. The young man uh, was sharing about the father wound that he had. Remember, we talked about the fact that you can't do relationships right until you first of all know yourself. Touch yourself on the horse. I got to know myself. And each time we've been sharing with you, we've been giving you a little uh, a, a, a window into the wounds that a lot of time we experience in our lives. And those wounds prevent us from doing relationships the way God wants them to be done. Amen. So this morning, as we talk about knowing yourself and then we'll get into forgiving one another, this wound that we want to talk about today is the all alone wound. And I thought it was so fitting that our praise team was sharing from the song, I am not alone. Amen. Uh, I, I don't I, you know, I didn't tell him to sing that, but I think the Holy Spirit was moving in such a way that that was so appropriate. You need to understand that you are not alone. Are y'all with me today? So so uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to uh, go with me to uh, the gospel according to St. Matthew. Chapter number 18. And we'll begin our reading at verse number 21, and then we'll, 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 dump in, we'll jump into this, uh, this message title. Now, again, remember we talked about wounds. We said a wound uh, is any unresolved issue where lack of closure adversely impacts and shapes the direction and dynamics of a person's life right now. It's an unresolved issue. And all of us carry wounds of some shape, form, or fashion. The very fact that you don't acknowledge that you got a wound tells me that you got one. Because all of us, and it comes to relationships, there are things that happen and transpire in our life that if we don't allow the Holy Spirit, Sean, to come in and do his perfecting work, that wound will impact our decisioning when we're in our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And many times people fail to address those wounds and it impacts them all the way to the day that they die. But we don't want to be bound like that. Amen. We don't want to allow some unresolved issue from our past to keep us from being the man and the woman that God called and ordained for us to be. Glory to God. Look at Romans. I mean, not Romans, Matthew, uh, the 18th chapter, verse number 21, familiar passage of scripture. And we'll read that real quickly and then we'll move on. It says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. I know some of y'all have asked that question, have you? Lord, how often? How long? Lord, Lord, do you realize this is the 15th time she's done that? Lord, do you realize this is, this, this is, this is listen, Lord, we, we go through this five or six times a year. 
And here we are back at the same place. And Lord, are you really expecting me to forgive? Watch this. Peter, the one that's always talking, the one that's always jumping up, the one that's always has something to say. You know, I, I, you know, I, I admire Peter and his, for, his forthrightness. Uh, but Peter, Peter sometimes would jump out and talk or say stuff before he really thought it through. Would y'all agree? But the other thing I want you to realize is that Peter oftentimes was speaking up for the crowd, the guys, the other boys that were running with them, those other disciples. They may have been too afraid like some of y'all to say what somebody else will say. Huh? Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, well, they saying. I always ask the question, who is they? You tell they to come and ask me. But Peter was the one that was oftentimes would speak up and he would say stuff that probably the other disciples were thinking, but they were just too chicken to say it. He says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, what Jesus, the heart of the matter, what Jesus is getting to is, is, is the fact that forgiveness is something that we as born again believers have to learn to embrace if we're going to build a relationship. But a lot of times, our ability to forgive, we're going to look at it as we go through here, is, is, is stunted or it's is, is, is put in a box because we didn't deal with the wounds that we had from our past. And those wounds is called us to say that I'm not going to allow anybody else to get the advantage of me. I'm not going to allow anybody else to hurt me again. So I'm going to keep you at, at a distance. I'm going to, the old folks say, I'm going to treat you with a long handle. <laughs> anybody know what that means? I'm going to treat you with a long handle spoon. I'm going to deal with you. But when I deal with you, I'm going to deal with you from a distance. I ain't going to let you get too close. Because the last time I allowed you to get too close to me, you hurt me. So I'm going to do a relationship like Pastor said. Pastor said do a relationship. And we got to get strong relationship. I'm going to speak to you at church. Hey. But I ain't going to answer your calls. When you call me outside of church. Guys, we got to deal with the wounds. We talked about the father wound. And many of y'all are dealing with the father wound. Because, uh, you know, of, 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 of an absent father or a father who was there, but he really wasn't there. Or a father who never poured into your life. So the father wound. We talk about the mother wound. And then today we want to talk about the all alone wound. The all alone wound. This wound characterizes a man who attempts to live life alone. All right. It's a social, emotional, and spiritual loss caused by the lack of having healthy teammates or having healthy people around you who can help build you up. We're, I was sharing briefly with our, uh, our, our latest new members orientation class, and I thank God for the commitment of those who go through new members orientation. That's critically important. But I was sharing with them the, the fact that one of the things that, that, that's the tenet of our 30-day church challenge course is, is to deal with authentic community, learning what that means. And authentic means I'm not fake. Authentic means that, uh, that, that I'm going to deal with you in reality and with transparency. And I, and I want you to deal with me in reality and transparency. Okay? But the fact remains that many of you sitting here right now in this church with your saved, uh, sanctified, going to heaven if you die self. And this had nothing to do with your salvation, but it has everything to do with God trying to use you, trying to use me to get us to a place to where we can be vessels of honor, vessels who cultivate and develop the relationship that God wants us to develop in, relation, to develop, uh, in, our, in our walk with him. Many of us 
failed to do that because we have that all alone womb. One of the things I will tell you that really blessed me uh, throughout the challenge, the health challenge that Maria experienced this past year was the fact that it, 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 it taught me even to a greater extent how important it is for us not to walk through stuff by ourselves. Oh, y'all listen to me today. Because I'm going going to be honest with you guys. I have a tendency to to wallow in this wound here. When I say tendency to wallow, in other words, uh, my nature and, 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 and my family of origin upbringing predisposes me for this all alone wound. Here's how that all alone wound kind of feels. You know, it's that person that says, I got it. Do you need anything? And that person could need something, but they won't say that they need something because they're used to handling things by themselves. Are you with me, Brother Bowen? We're used to handling things by themselves. Even if you have a marital problem, we ain't going to go talk to nobody. We're going to handle this by ourselves. All alone. Everybody said all alone wound. And see, if you don't deal with this all alone wound, it'll prevent you from being very relational. Some of y'all sitting here right now, you've, you've had things that go on in your life, tragedy that go on in your life, and what, what, what the person with this wound would do, they would block everybody out. They won't take calls. They run from people. It's because this all alone wound is there. Let's look at it right quick, okay? And then we'll move on to forgiving one another. Because if you, if you don't deal with this, it's going to hinder you. What are the characteristics of the all alone wound? Well, it, it comes from the tendency of a man to live life outside of character-shaping relationship. I said character-shaping relationships. In other words, being in relationship with people who will challenge you to do what's right. See, many of us want acquaintances, people who we can talk to, maybe get on the phone with, maybe go eat with, but not very many of us have character-building relationships where people can tell us about ourselves and we don't fall out with each other. I want you to sit there and think for a second. How many people do you have in your life who can come and talk to you about some serious stuff about you, about them, and it doesn't cause you guys uh, to fall out because y'all disagree? I would surmise if I, if I were a bet man, I could win this bet. Not many of y'all have those kind of relationships, and those relationships are valuable. So the all alone womb. It, it's, 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 it's that, that it, the characteristic is that person tries to do life outside of character shaping relationship. It characterizes a man who attempts to live life alone. It's this, 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 this self-inflicted wound is actually avoidable because I told you, one of the things that it, it taught me as we went through the experience is that don't try to walk through stuff by yourself. And sometimes we walk through stuff by ourselves because of our pride. We don't want anybody to see us in our weakened state. We don't want anybody to see us not having everything together. Have you ever been sick or laid up and then somebody comes to visit? And, you know, sometimes when you're sick and laid up, you're in the hospital bed at home, you, you, you don't look your very best. Your makeup is not on. Come on. Your hair is not on. If you know what I mean. People have come in and look at you, and they thought, I didn't know she didn't have. Come on, my sisters, don't, don't, don't y'all throw stones at me, right? All right, 
I, I know y'all say it is my hair. I bought it. <laughs> but, but, but think about that for a second. We're sitting there in our sick and weakened state and somebody wants to come and pray with us, but we're worried about how we look and not whether or not we're going to get deliverance. Listen, listen, and I, I, I've said this before, I, you know, I, I don't like hospitals, um, I don't like, I don't particularly like doctors, but I know that they're there to help us. I, I, don't, I don't mean I don't like them personally, you understand what I'm saying. I mean, I don't like going to them, but I go because I know it's a necessity. I heard you, Brother Katie, the other day uh, encouraging some brothers to make sure they go get their colonoscopy, all right, because prostate cancer is one of those ones that they catch early. Uh, your options are, are, are a lot greater. I remember, Yvonne, when I was working in Long Review at, at the bank, one of, one of our assignments as a Long Review analyst was to examine the portfolio, you know, even though it may look like it's going well, but look at some of the trends in that company to make sure that, that, that there's, no, there's not some ominous, sign, ominous signs on the horizon. So that if, if we can identify some negative trends ahead of time or before it gets so bad, then that we have greater options. In other words, if, if, if I can get to you before the, the Tyrone, where's Tyrone Stewart? Tyrone Stewart was known as the light man when he worked for ALP and AL. If I can get to you before the light man is driving up in the driveway to cut your electricity off, huh? I can help you. Can I get a win? I got greater options. But I don't have many options when he's already there getting ready to, to, uh, to cut your lights off. But had we dealt with the issue first, had we, had we walked through a scenario and we got, we got the problem side, fixed the hole in the bag, then now I can get you to the point where you need to get to if I catch it early. Everybody say early. And so, so, so many times, uh, you know, we, we, when it comes to those things that can help us in that arena, like even like going to the doctor, getting a colonoscopy, those type things, sometimes we don't, we don't want to we don't, we don't go because we like, well, foot. I ain't... I, I ain't getting my annual exam because I, I, I here, here go here, here, here are men. I, ain't, I, I, ain't, I don't want no man, you know, sticking me in my behind. Listen to me. Read my lips. That is dumb. Okay, we got we, we got to get to the point. And, and, and lest you think I'm, I'm offending you, I was that man. I was that man and say, I'm all right. I, I'm a hardman. We don't really get sick. We don't really go to the doctor. Where's Paul Adams? Where's Charles? Where's Donnell Vincent? Is he, is he here today? You catch a hardman, the hardman won't go to the doctor until something about to fall off. So we got to change our mindset. As a matter of fact, I'm due for a colonoscopy right now. They don't send me three letters. I'm going to book it. <laughs> I've already had. I'm, I'm going to book it. <laughs> so now, now I'm a countless out there. Y'all know it. So y'all will start asking me. KD, I know he's going to ask me. <laughs> so I, I'm due for one now. Although in my mind, you know, uh, that's not something I prefer, but I know that if they catch it early, if something's going on, they catch it early enough, they have, they have greater options. Are y'all following me, Dave? And many times in our lives as believers, when we are not in, in, in God on a relationship, when we're walking all along, 
We don't have that somebody who can see some stuff in us that needs correcting. And many times it, it's too late uh, in a lot of cases, whether it's a relationship or whatever, to where we don't deal with stuff right away. And, and, and here's the thing about it. When, when you need some help, when you're in enough pain, your pride of how you look goes away. I, I, I bet if I were to, 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 to poll every woman in here who's ever had a baby, huh? and the pain of childbirth begins to come, your shame of the doctor seeing you with those stuff goes away. Can I get a witness, ladies? Like, here, here, take, get him, get him. Shane, what you mean, Shane? No, come on out. I'll tell you before, the pain, until the pain of staying the same, amen, becomes greater than the pain of change, you'll stay right where you are, remaining the same. I hope you catch that. Until, and we don't have to be that way, but, but a lot of us, until the pain of remaining the same gets greater than the pain of change, and many of us will stay right where we are, because that's, that's where we've been. And so we need people in our lives to help us, amen? I'm, I'm learning that even more so as I live longer. So uh, this wound is self-inflicted. Because of this wound, most men in particular never really are truly known. And it goes for women too, but particularly men, you don't really know that man because he's alone. He won't tell you stuff. He keeps it to himself. And women do the very same thing. So the effects of this all along, what is it? It it gives a warped perspective of life. Go to Proverbs 14 and 12. Come on. Got to move. Preparing for greater in relationships. Man, I tell you, we got to do, we as a church have to get better. We as individuals have to get better because if, if, we don't, if we don't deal with these wounds, it's going to keep us from, from walking in these one another's that we've been going through. Amen? It's going to prevent us from being there. Watch this. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in what? In death. Go to the KJV on that very same verse. I want, I want to read it from the King James Version of Scripture. The effects of that all along wounds, we have a warped perspective on life. Because how many of those, there's some stuff we can't see. All of us have blind spots. And we need people in our life to help see our blind spots. Help us see our blind spots. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the what? Ways of death. So if I'm going in the direction that's leading to death, I need somebody in my life who can say, maybe don't, don't, don't keep going that direction because it's going to end up in death. Amen? So what perspective. The other thing is, uh, it, 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 this wound gives us the potential for careless living and foolish choices. Go to Proverbs 18 and 1. Careless living and foolish choices. Proverbs 18 and 1 right quick. It says, it's through desire a man, watch this, having separated himself Seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Let's read again. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Let's go to the New Living Translation, the very same verse. This wound, all alone wound, has the prison for careless living and foolish choices. Watch this. Unfriendly people care only about what? Themselves. They lash out at what? 
at common sense. So when you are all alone, when you when you are not a friendly person because you don't intermingle and make friends with anybody very easily. And, and a guy, the Bible says this, um, a man who wants friend must show himself what? Friendly. Sometimes people don't interface with you because you're not a friendly person. Anybody ever been accused of being mean? Friendliness. Friends. Friends are, are important. People in our lives are important. Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. So again, when you're all alone, the potential for careless living and foolish choices are there because nobody's there to balance you. Look at the name and say, neighbor, can I help balance you? The other effect is a lost chance for much needed transparency when you don't have somebody there with you. Look, look, look at this next one right quick. So building healthy teammates, uh, building healthy relationships helps us to overcome the all alone wound. We can learn how to be loyal, a loyal teammate who encourages others when we learn how to deal with this. We can learn how to ask good questions and take a genuine interest in others. That's, that's critically important. Be interested in the lives of others. Don't just be concerned about yourself. Be willing to be vulnerable and transparent. That's the hard part right there, isn't it? Because we want to keep our stuff to ourselves. And guys, listen, none of us in here are perfect. None of us, none of us in here have, have walked this walk without a misstep. And we need, we need to be transparent and honest so that, so that we can get to where God wants us to be. Be willing to be vulnerable and transparent and initiate, amen, interaction with other believers. Go to Proverbs 13 and 20 with it right quick. That all alone wound is one that we got to address. And men deal with it even more so than women. Women, women tend to be less likely. Now, there are women who, who, are, who are this way, all right? Uh, you know, but, but if, if you ever notice... Women will go beneath the surface when they're talking to each other, by and large. And men will talk about sports, money, their careers. Uh, and if, if, if you talk to them long enough, they'll talk about women. Sports. <laughs> Careers. Huh? The first question, guys who are going through men's fraternity, what is our authentic manhood? Of course, we're, we're in, a, in, in the series now, the last section of that book to talk about a man and his work. And usually the first question that men ask of each other when they gather together, lady, is what do you do for a living? Because many times we allow unceremoniously our jobs and our occupations to define who we are. And guys, you're much more than what you do Monday through Friday. And God is trying to get us to understand that, hey, listen, cool, pursue your career. Go as high as you can in that, but don't let your career alone define who you are. God, as a matter of fact, God wants to use you at work. God wants to use you in your career field to reach some people that, that I can't reach. Maybe you're an engineer and you can talk to engineers better than I can. I, I can talk to bankers maybe better than you can. All of us are in, in career fields where we're going to meet people unlike ourselves. And that commonality of that field gives us the opportunity to plant a seed of wisdom inside of their lives. Look at what the text says here in Proverbs 13 and 20. So the all alone one we got to deal with. It says, walk with the wise and what? 
and become wise, associate with fools and what's going to happen to you. How many times your mama done told you that? Can we read it again? Watch this. Walk with the wise and become what? But associate. You don't even have to walk with them. Just associate with them. And you're going to get in trouble. Is that what the text says? That's a word of wisdom from Proverbs. Amen. So we got to make sure that we deal with this all alone wound because it'll, 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 it'll cause us not to be in the position that God wants us to be in, okay? So now, now, go with me, if you will, to 2 Samuel, the 16th chapter. So we're going to begin to this, this, this next one another that we've been doing. We've talked about love one another, accept one another, serve one another, create talks about comfort one another, but today we're going to talk about forgive one another. Everybody say forgive one another. On your outline, we share with you that genuine forgiveness can be defined in two parts. First, forgiveness relinquishes the right to retaliate. Everybody say, first, come on, y'all, y'all, y'all got to read this with me. Say, first, forgiveness relinquishes the right to retaliate. To relinquish means that, listen, even though justice could have its way, and if justice were to fall right now, justice would have said they need to be punished, but you know what? I'm not going to punish them. It relinquishes the right to retaliate. Second, second, whenever possible, as it relates to forgiveness, a Christian not only refuses to retaliate, but restores the relationship as well. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. Not only does he not retaliate, but 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 he refuse, he he will he will also uh, uh, restore the relationship as well. Okay. Now go with me to Second Samuel, the sixteenth chapter, because I want I want to share something with you right quick about David. Second Samuel sixteen, and let's begin our reading at verse uh, number five. Everybody still walking with me today? Hallelujah. Now, when we get to this text right here, King David was at, 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 at a low point in his life. How many of y'all had some low points? <laughs> How many have had some experiences and some stuff that you went through in life that made you feel lower than a snake's belly? <laughs> Somebody say that's low. David, as we look in this text right here, David was, was at a low point in his life. His own son, Absalom, was actually leading a revolution against him. His own son. Everybody say his son. And, and, and Absalom, who, who was a talker, he was a smooth cat, he was a charmer, he had convinced many of the Israelites that David was too old to lead. Okay. And, and, and some fresh blood was needed, amen. And Absalom was the man to take over for his dad, David. And so when Absalom stormed the city with his troops, David and his army fled and left the palace vacant. David decided he'd rather be humiliated in retreat than shed blood in a civil war with his own son. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something right quick. It's a bad thing. I mean, it's one thing to be hurt by outsiders, but it's a total, 
totally different concept when your own family hurts you. And some of y'all are sitting here right now and you have had family hurts. Family members who who did you wrong or you got into conflict or contention with them. And and still to this day, even though y'all tolerate each other, even though this coming Thanksgiving, all of y'all going to be in the same house. You know that there's still something there that has not been dealt with in a proper biblical way. Yeah. Are you with me today? Here David is, and we understand that some of this stuff is coming upon David, who's a man after God's own heart. David, a man, was reaping some of the seeds he'd sown in his foolishness. But still, the fact remains that his own son. Listen, if I mess up, I I, I would pray that my wife would be the one to pick me up and not come over there and do this to me. You know how some of y'all Christians are. When you see a brother down, you're going to stomp on their neck. You want to crucify them. I would think that my family, my wife, would be the one who say, listen, yeah, you messed up, Roya. I ought to slap you side your head. But you know what? I'm not going to stomp on your neck. But here's David here in this situation. Watch, watch the text, okay? The Bible says, as, 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 so, so he's fleeing. Um. And, uh, and, and watch what happened as they flee. As King David came to Bahurim, a man came out of the village cursing them. <laughs> it was Shemaiah, son of Jerah, from the same clan as Saul's family. Now, he remembered that David took over the throne from Saul, right? You remember David and Goliath. David killed Goliath, and, 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 and the people started shouting. The women started shouting, Saul has killed his thousand. David killed his ten thousand, right? Y'all remember that, right? So when that happened, you know, Saul got all, 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 all flustered and started trying to kill David. But David was the one who eventually received the throne from, from, from Saul. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. He's shouting at the king. He's telling the king this. He's, he's, he says, get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel. He shouted at David. Look at the next verse. The text says what? The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last, you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a what? You are a murderer. You are a murderer. Now, skip down. With me to verse number 12. He's, he's doing this, uh, throwing rocks at him, cursing him, and telling him, you're getting what you deserve. But watch, watch the response here. Look, look in verse number 12 of, of this very same chapter. It says, uh, David responds, because one of David's men said, you want us to go get him? See, even as David and his men were fleeing, his men, they, they heard this man yelling at David, cursing at him, saying all kind of foul things, and one of them wanted to go and shove a sword all the way through, through from his front side to his backside. But notice what David says. David says, and perhaps the Lord, go, go back to verse number 11. Let's back up to verse 11. Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse. Now, listen, while I'm right there, okay? Now, 
See, in your life, when you, when you got people in your family, especially your children, your mama and your husband and wife, don't just say, leave them alone, let them go and cuss you out. <laughs> I want you to notice what happens here. Because David is trying to show some resolve, some, some, some integrity, some, uh, some, uh, some, uh, just some, uh, some forthright manliness here. He says, he says, my own son is trying to kill me. Family members. Everybody say family members. Doesn't this relative of Saul have an even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse for the Lord has told him to do it. Now watch this, watch this. Now, if this was the end of the story, we did it with, we flow into forgiveness now, forgiving one another. If this was the end of the story, you would say, man, David handled that thing right, didn't he? Because how many of y'all have had people say stuff about you? I'm going to say, listen to me very carefully. You can't chase down every lie somebody tells on you. And you can't run around trying to figure out who all says something about you. Listen, baby, listen, I know for a fact that as a pastor of this church, that some of y'all have said some stuff about me. Some of y'all have had me for dinner, but that's cool. It comes with the territory. I ain't mad at you. I can know you talked about me and still pray for you. Some of y'all who, who told Pastor? Who told Pastor? Who told him? Because it comes with the territory. The Bible says this, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus is going to do what? Suffer some persecution. So if you ain't going through anything in your life, you better check and see whether or not you're really living righteous. Because anytime you start to, 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 to have kingdom impact, anytime you start to transform people's lives, the enemy's going to get busy to try to disrupt your flow. He's trying to disrupt your flow. Can I get a witness? So we see here, uh, David said, yo, cool, don't leave him alone. Yo, this is my own son coming after me. And, and he, he's one of Saul's relatives, so he's probably upset. Just don't go, don't go kill him. But again, that was the end of the story. We would say what a great man David was, how, how, how magnificent of him to forgive such, a, such insubordination. He's the king, and this guy is coming and cursing him out, throwing the rocks at him. Okay? But guess what? That ain't the end of the story. He didn't get angry and didn't lose his temper, but the memory of that offense festered and stewed in David's heart for years. Some of y'all sitting there right now, you got some stuff that's in your heart that don't nobody know but you. And it's been stewing for years. You've been nice. You've been causal to the person whom you got that affront in your heart to. And you think it's okay. You think you're covered, but God sits high. Come on, old folks. And he does what? He looks low. You've been in church in a period of time. You heard that before, right? And he sees into our hearts. Amen? He sees it. David didn't get angry and lose his temper, but that memory of offense fessed And about 10 years later, when David was on his deathbed, here was his instructions to his son, Solomon, the last recorded words of David's life. Go to 1 Kings chapter number 2, verse 8 and 9. If the story had stopped there, hey, we could have been saying, that's cool. David, David, David did something with honor. He did something that I wouldn't do. Or I couldn't have I find myself doing. 1 First, First Kings chapter number 2, verse 8. It says, now, look what the text says. He's on his deathbed now. About 10 years later. Everybody said 10 years later. 10 years later, 
on this deathbed, what's on his mind? And remember Shemaiah, the son of Jerah, the man from Behirim in Benjamin. He cursed me with a terrible curse as I was fleeing to, to Mahanim. When he came down to meet me at the Jordan River, I swore by the Lord that I would not kill him. But watch what he says in verse number nine. Watch this. But that oath does not make him innocent. You are a wise man and you will know how to arrange a bloody death for him. Pop! I thought he had left it alone, Jerry. I thought he forgot all about it. Ten years later, on his deathbed, there was something in David's heart. He was offended by what that dude did. And he's dying, y'all. And look at what he says. He said, the oath doesn't make him innocent. You are a wise man, Solomon. Solomon asked God for wisdom, his son, right? Y'all know the story, right? He says, and you will know how to arrange a bloody death for him. Some of y'all sitting there right now, and, and because of different wounds you are carrying, you got stuff in your heart related to people. Don't nobody know that's in there but you and God. But guess what? God knows. And when you carry offense and you carry unforgiveness in your heart, listen, you can't be very relational. Everybody say preparing for greater. David had this thing in his heart. So it's one thing, guys, to control your temper when you are at first offended. Some of y'all don't say anything. You zip your lip. But but you, you, you packing that thing in. You ain't saying anything. You let it go. But it was in your heart. Say it was in my heart. It's one thing to control your temper when you're at first offended. It's quite another to forgive over the long haul and be able to release resentment. Preparing for greater in relationship. Here's why it's important. It listen, it it is, it is I, because we are we are we're living in a fallen world, because we are all sinful beings, it it is it is foolhardy to believe that when you start to get into authentic relationship with other believers that that, that, that won't become a t- there won't be a time when you're going to have disagreement and there won't be a time when you're going to have some offense that arises so because you come to church does not mean that there will not be any any offense that arises in church or when you build a relationship but learn how to deal with offense the right way I want to ask you a question. How many of your family members, if I were to go interview them and honestly ask them, are you good all the time? Would they say you're good all the time? They'll say you're a good person. They'll say they love you to death and they wouldn't trade you for nobody in the world. But there are some times where your own folk, your spouse, your children really would like to tell you something. Can we be honest? Can we say that in church? That there are times with the people who we love. I love this woman right here, but there's some times this woman right here will say some things and I I have to bite my tongue. Somebody said, I feel you. But I love her and she loves me. And there's sometimes when she 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 has to bite her tongue, I think, right? 
But we love each other. So why would you believe that you can come to be a part of a church family and not have some situation that may arise that causes you to, uh, to, to have a little angst in your heart? But it's how you deal with it. I'm going to tell you something. Some, you know, a lot of us need to grow up. And that's why I'm trying to my deliver best to get you to engage with Christian discipleship so you can mature in your faith. When mature people know how to handle conflict, immature people don't. Immature folk get their feelings hurt, take their Bible and go home. Immature people get their feelings hurt and they leave the church. Mature believers learn how to deal with conflict the right way. Amen. And allow the Lord to heal and mend the relationship. We got to prepare for greater in relationship. The children of Israel, this whole sermon series started about in the book of Numbers, when the children of Israel who had been delivered from Egypt out of bondage, amen, began to turn against their spiritual leader, Moses. And Aaron and Joshua, and they believed the crowd. Guys, we got to, you know, we got to get there. We all have struggled with, at times, have all struggled with resentment. And, and, and some of us have struggled with it more than others. Maybe you've been abandoned by your spouse. Maybe you've been abused by a parent. Maybe you've been victimized by some criminal activity. Maybe you've been hurt by gossip. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've been ripped off. Somebody borrowed money from you and didn't pay you back. And maybe you've been neglected by your children. Maybe you've been overlooked by a coach or teacher. Or maybe you've been put down by somebody on your job. And uh, maybe you've been cheated by your relative. You, you, you know, if, if all those situations you had any of that stuff happen, you know, you know what it's like to struggle to forgive. Yet Jesus said, go, go to Matthew, the 18th chapter. Because, you know, if you've ever been hurt deeply. You know that you may have to forgive someone 490 times for the same offense because you remember it every day. You know, it's there. Matthew 18. Everybody say, forgive one another. Now, I hope y'all, are, I hope, hope your, your, your quietness is causing you to be reflective at this moment in time. Because if you don't learn how to release offense and you don't learn how to forgive, it's going to stifle your ability to be the best Christian God wants you to be. Because in all of this, in all that we do as the body of believers here, we're, God has us here so that we can learn how to interconnect and be authentic with each other, and that won't happen if you're carrying these wounds and carrying unforgiveness in your heart. Are y'all with me today? Matthew 18. Look, look, look with me back at verse, go to verse number 22 in that chapter. Okay. So we said that first, forgiveness relinquishes the right to retaliate, and second, whenever possible, a Christian not only refuses to retaliate, but he restores the relationship as well. Again, um, as we look at this, I'm going to caution, there's a difference between forgiveness and reinstating trust. Trust has to be earned. There are times that it would be unwise to restore the relationship to the same status it had before the offense took place in individual situations. Okay? Are y'all still with me today? Look at what the text says in in, in Matthew uh, 1820 says, no, not, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Next verse, let's read. It says, uh, therefore, now he, he, he shares that, 
And then he immediately goes into a, 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 a story, a parable to illustrate what he just said. I like Jesus. He, 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 would, he would speak in parables. He would tell stories, earthly stories, I mean, that have a heavenly meaning to illustrate the spiritual, spiritual truth that he wants us to understand and to know. Look at what it says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Y'all know this story, right? He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. They had what they called back then debtor's prisons. Or, or, you, or, or a person could be sold into indentured servitude when they didn't pay their debts. Everybody say, thank God that I ain't here today. Say it again. Because if you ever owed a debt that you couldn't pay or didn't pay, if somebody came and put you in jail because of that, man, that'd be, that'd be a pretty, pretty sore thing. How are you going to pay it when you're in jail? Now, what they would do here, they would sell you into indentured servitude. But the man owed him millions of dollars. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Watch this. Uh, then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Next verse says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now, how much did he owe the king? How much does this guy owe him? Thousand. Millions? And thousands. He went to a fellow who, who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed them by the throat and demanded instant payment. Pay me right now. Is that what he did? That's what the text says, right? Next verse says, but when the king left, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. Next verse. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. I'm assuming he had to go with some relatives and say, we got to come up with some money to get him out. Y'all know how that is? You get locked up. I pray to nobody. You know, if you have been locked up, it, it, people have been through stuff, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to be, belittle anybody. Everybody's got a pass. Everybody hasn't been to jail, but some have. All right? But, but, but thank God that you had some relatives who who bonded you out. Right? Right? Some of y'all say, I ain't saying nothing. I ain't letting you know. You do know it's a matter of public record, right? But I, 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 don't, I don't go around trying to find out who's been in jail. If you've been in jail, they'll come to me. And we're going to pray for you. And we're going to try to help you, okay? But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Next verse, come on, let's read. So when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They knew he owed the king how much? But this guy only owed him what? A thousand. He had been forgiven of millions, but wouldn't forgive this guy a thousand. Sometimes we think our stuff, sometimes we think our sin is not as big or as decadent as the other person's sin. But I'm going to tell you, your sins your sin stink just as much as the next guy's sin. 
He says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Next verse says, what? Then the king called in the man who had forgiven, who he had forgiven. He said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Next verse. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Next verse. That's what my heavenly father would do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus said that I didn't. See, some of y'all going on with that stuff. Mm, that's a shame. Mm, that's a shame. I owed the man millions and, and then the man forgave him. Then he this guy owed him thousand and, 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 and uh, 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 he wouldn't forgive him that. Mm. He, he should have been thrown in jail. But what about you? What about you with your singing in the choir, speaking in tongues, working with the youth self? And on the outside, you look good. You like a good Christian and you don't treat nobody wrong. You do. You, you, people around the church say you are blessing. But what's in your heart? That's what God wants you to examine. What is in your heart? He says, that's what my heavenly father would do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. 36 through 38. Let's read it. Is that right? That, that, that go? That's it. OK, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about something else. OK. That's what my heavenly father would do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now watch this, guys. The difficulty of forgive. Why is it difficult to forgive? Well, learning to forgive may be the most difficult lesson there is in the Christian life. It's challenging for at least three reasons. Why is it challenging? Well, number one, it goes against our carnal nature. See, our carnal nature, our fleshly nature said, if you get me, I'm going to get you back. If you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. If you do me wrong, I'm going to do you wrong. If you do something bad to me, I'm going to get even with you. That's what our carnal nature says, but our spiritual nature says that's not God's plan for you. Are y'all with me today? And instinctively, when we're wrong, we want to retaliate. That's our human nature. Okay? When our pride is wounded, our sense of justice demands retaliation. And you said, well, you ain't going to get back with this. I'm going to get you back. Do you, not, do you not know this happens in, uh, across the spectrum in different, um, different venues and uh, different relationships? You know, all kinds of things. People try to get people back. And why would you go and sin and mess up your relationship with God to try to retaliate against somebody who hurt you deeply? Don't do that, okay? That's, that, that, that's not kosher. That's not good, okay? Uh, and don't try to get even. So it goes against our car nature. It, it requires, one other reason why this is difficult is it requires trust in the justice of God. Go to Romans 12 with me right quick. See, if, if I'm not close to God, if I, if I don't believe that God is the avenger and what he says in Romans 12 is, is, is accurate, then I'm going to try to get even myself. I'm not going to trust God to do justice here. Because many of us sit there and we think, well, people are getting by with stuff. God, we're, God, I'm doing this here and they did, did all this wicked evil but it don't seem like nothing happened to them. You don't know what God is up to. Leave the people alone. Amen. Watch this. Dear friends, never, everybody say never. Yeah. Never take revenge 
leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. The Lord knows how to extend justice. Some of us will go overboard. That's why we can't do it. God will take care of that. Are y'all with me today? So, so, but if you don't trust in God or trust that he's going to do it, it's, it becomes difficult for you uh, to, uh, to extend forgiveness. And it also, thirdly, it takes attentiveness. It takes some vigilance to be able to do this because forgiveness is not usually a single event. It's a continual process. Okay. We hear that cliche, forgive and forget, but the real challenge is, is to forgive even when you can still remember. Can I, I, I think I'll say that again. The challenge is, is to still forgive when you can still remember because there, there are some things that you have the capacity to remember, but that remembrance does not affect how you deal with that person now. Are y'all still with me today? God... Is the only one I know that has the power to forget. He says when he comes to him, he says in Hebrews 8 and 12, he says, I will remember your sins no more. He's going to cast them as far as the east is from the west. I thank God that he that he he can wipe the slate clean. But even if you remember what somebody did, can you still forgive them? Yes, you can. And because I remember something don't mean I didn't forgive you. But if I'm allowing what happened to, to totally reorganize and how I deal with you and, and don't, especially when you're a family member, uh, don't restore, amen, that, that common bond, that relationship, then I, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to be in a position where God can use me like he wants to use me to reach people. So it, it, it takes attentiveness. Well, well but Pastor, why, why are you going to, let, let, let's move on down. Go back with me to, uh, to Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, Jesus told us that parable to illustrate that, the importance of forgiving. Okay? In Matthew 18, he talked about the fact that that king, he gave the illustration so that we would not be in this same position. The Bible repeatedly makes it clear that our relationship with God cannot be right until our relationship with man is correct. As a matter of fact, go to Mark eleven twenty five. We're gonna look at Ephesians four and thirty. We're gonna get out of here. Okay, go to Mark eleven and twenty five. So, everybody say preparing for greater in relationships. But when you are praying, when you are praying, how many of y'all pray? When you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. You sit down on your knees. Whenever you pray, early in the morning, late at night, tomorrow, now, Lord, bless my family, bless my children, bless me, my finances, bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. You can say all that stuff, but Jesus says, when you're praying first, first thing you got to do is do what? Forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. That's why your prayer life is not very effective, because you're still holding stuff haven't even been honest enough to acknowledge that you're really holding it. First, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your, your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Ephesians 4, 30, 32. 
If you have an unforgiving spirit, it blocks the flow of God's blessing in your life. Ephesians 4, 30, 32. Watch this. As a matter of fact, back up. Back up. To, go, go to verse 25. I think 25 is where I'm going to go. Can y'all read with me? Let's go. Here we go. So stop telling lies. He's talking to the church here, okay? So if you're in this church telling lies, stop it. That's what he says, right? Stop lying. Tell the truth. Speak the truth. So stop telling lies. Let, let us tell our neighbor the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. Don't lie. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. 28, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Verse, next verse, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all filth, bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. 32. Instead, be what? Instead, what? So our relationships in the body of Christ, particularly in our own individual local church family, should be identified as be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has what? forgiven you. If you got an unforgiving spirit, it blocks the flow of God's blessing in your life. And lastly, the motivation for forgiveness. Our motivation for forgiveness is the very fact that God has forgiven us. Amen. He forgives us. Everybody said again, so he forgives me. Amen. He forgives me. He forgives me of sins of omission as well as sins of commission. So that's my motivation because God chose not to hold everything I've done against me. I choose not to hold everything you've done against you. Forgiving one another. Every head bowed, everybody closed.